Coming up on Magical Medical Tour with my co-host, Dr. Glenn Woolman, we are going deep into the doctor's bag with Muscle Up. Join us as Doc Woolman guides us through the intricacies of our muscular system, how it works within our bodies, how to prevent injuries, and what we need to know about keeping ourselves physically healthy. This and more coming up next on Magical Medical Tour. This week's episode is brought to you by Support the Mountain's Herbal Parasite Cleanse. This formula targets the small and large intestinal tracts and larvae, the most broad-spectrum formula available today. 100% organic, formulated by Dr. Mikio Sanki, author of the Esoteric Acupuncture Series. For 10% off your first bottle, visit shopyogahub.com and use the coupon code CLEANSE at checkout. Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma. Our topic is muscle up as we go deep diving into the doctor's bag with our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. How are you doing, Christina? Hey, very well. There's my bag. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yes, it is. Uh, welcome, everybody, and greetings. Welcome to the World Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman. Today, Christina and I were, are going to junior medical school, <laughs> where we're going to learn about muscles. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me tell everyone at the very beginning, uh, whenever we go to junior medical school, I usually put up some visuals that are helpful you know, kind of learning aids, and there are some pretty good ones today. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, uh, you should consider watching it for the visuals or listen first, and if you get it all, perfect. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> we're going to be testing after this. <laughs> yes, we will be. And so, you know, I always believe in, well, before we start, Christina, do you want to tell people how to get in touch with <laughs> yes, us? Yes, that'd be great. Um, at any time during this show, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box. Now, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can also give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Now, you can do this at any time of the year, um, even months later. It's fine. We will actually get back to you. Thank you, Glenn. You're welcome. So, you know, in medicine, uh, we use prevention. We have uh, antibiotics sometimes that we take preventive. We have vaccines. Uh, People practice variations on the spectrum of preventive medicine. So I always talk about if you're not going to do a lot of preventive medicine, you should do preparatory medicine, meaning be in the best physical, mental, and spiritual health at all times. So in search of optimal health, uh, I think that it's a good idea for people to get a better understanding of the human body. And uh, we've done a few other systems. Today we're going to do particularly the muscular system of the body. Fascinating system. We take it for granted a lot. But I think that a lot of people get hurt uh, spraining muscles or tearing muscles or bruising muscles. And not always sure what to do. And most of the time people don't do it as well as they can. So I, I always think that by having an understanding of some of these systems, uh, give you more insights in how to uh, prevent problems, prepare yourself to be in the best shape muscular wise in this particular uh, conversation. 
um, and to recognize when things go right and when things go wrong. Just get an appreciation. And then as always, because it's junior medical school, I'm not going to tell you everything. So you're not going to have to memorize everything that we had to memorize. But at least you get an idea of what I'm talking about so that you've heard it once and then you can recognize how to go back and look it up again and have a better understanding. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. Okay, so as always in junior medical school, uh, you're the classroom. So I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be testing you. You're going to be doing all sorts of things, and uh, so be by me getting that you get it, then I'll know that other people are getting it. So a lot of pressure on you. I'm bouncing. Okay. So if we look at at photo one, this is a this is a picture of that was uh, drawn by a gentleman, Andreas Vesalius. And he was uh, what we consider, he was a physician, he was an anatomist, and he was also the, um, probably what we call the founder of, uh, of anim human anatomy. Hmm. And so this photo always shows, uh, you know, something, I think you've probably seen this before. Most people have seen this kind of photo somewhere. Have you ever seen it? Uh, yes. Yeah, sure. I have. So the anatomical position, when we talk about the anatomical physicians, when physicians speak to each other anatomically, we're always talking as if we were the patient looking out at us. So if I told you, Christina, to look at the right hip area, you would look at the, uh, the picture's right hip. So you would shift off to your left, okay? And you're looking at the right hip area? Mm-hmm. So you see that kind of a long strap muscle that goes from the outer upper pelvis on the side, yes. front of the leg, across the leg, and down to the inside of the knee? Yes. That's the sartorius muscle. I want you to remember that uh, in a few minutes, okay? Okay. So that's going to be the first part. But these are all the muscles of the body, at least from the anterior. There are uh, many others. So today, How yeah, old is that? Uh, this comes from the 1500s. He was, wow. he, was, he was born in about 1504 and went to about 15... 60 or something like that. And remember, you know, anatomy, you weren't allowed to cut up cadavers. Re religious orders were, you know, saying you're desecrating the dead, you're bringing on the devil. Um, and you can't just go and, and do autopsies and necropsies, as we call them. So people that did this kind of stuff were doing it in secret many times and mm -hmm. uh, taking lots of risks for the sake of teaching other people how to care for us. Mm. I love this picture. It's mm -hmm. just such a, it's, it's us, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. That's what yeah. it's like. Uh, how did he get it so exact? <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. Mm. So, so Christina, I want you to um, basically put your right hand on the table, palm down. Mm -hmm. And now turn your palm up. Mm -hmm. Make a fist, except for your index finger. Except for the index, okay. Yes, have the index pointer finger pointing out. Yes. Close your right eye and touch your right index finger to your right eyelid as it's closed. Uh, right. Right index finger to your right eyelid, and now turn it around and put it back on the table. Okay. With your palm flat and open your eye. Okay, all of that was about the muscular system but the, and all of its connections. There are around 680 uh, skeletal muscles, but there are actually millions of muscles in the body. Also, 
uh, ligaments, connective tissue, nervous tissue, and circulatory systems, which we'll be getting into. All of this is connected. So the functions of muscle tissue, which most of us know, are about movement. And the coolest thing about muscle tissue is, unlike any other tissue in the body, it has the ability to contract. And by contracting, it, it can move things. And that's the whole key to the muscular system. There are other parts of it, such as uh, maintenance of posture and body position, mm-hmm. you know, uh, movement of substances through the body, which we'll talk about. Uh, generation of body heat, thermoregulation, is part of the muscular system. So if you get cold, you know, you start shivering, right? Mm-hmm. That creates heat. Uh, to warm you up a little bit. Those are muscles that are moving. And then when uh, you know, you're working out, you start sweating, it cools you off a little bit. Another part, of course, is protection of the organs, you know, just a little bit. Uh, so if we go to photo two now, you could see that there are three types of muscle tissue in the body, and each one is unique until itself. The first one is called visceral muscle, and that is also sometimes called involuntary muscle or smooth muscle. And this is found in organs, the viscera, like the uh, esophagus, the stomach, the intestines. And you could picture how uh, through peristalsis, the muscles squeeze uh, and they move food all the way through the system. The same as in the blood vessels, where the muscles squeeze and pump blood all through the body. And that's in the smooth muscle system. Then you have, in the middle, the cardiac muscle, which is a little bit different. And this muscle is brilliant in itself because it has the ability to make its own contraction. And we'll realize later that the uh, skeletal muscles have uh, can't do that you have to you have to do it consciously so the cardiac muscle uh, does it automatically now you can change uh, the rate of uh, the heartbeat but you can't stimulate it and make it to really contract and the last one is skeletal muscle which we're going to be focusing a lot more today and if you could see the three tissues christina right you notice you notice that when you think of cells i'm sure you think a, this round little uh, little thing, right, with a nucleus in the center of it. And that's the way cells usually look uh, for the most part. But muscle cells are different. They're elongated. They're long spindles. Mm. And they have many nuclei in them. So they're multinucleated long spindles. And you can see one immediate difference between the smooth muscle and the uh, other two, the cardiac and the skeletal muscle. You can see that the cardiac and skeletal have those striations in them, the stripes vertically going up and down. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the makeup that helps to uh, allow for contraction. And Mm -hmm. we're going to be discussing that later. But those two have uh, striations and the smooth muscle, you can see it doesn't have that. And each one works in a very important way to... uh, help the body along. And the reason they call skeletal muscles skeletal is because usually there's always one connection to the skeleton on at least one side of the muscle. And you know that the muscle usually connects uh, to two bones, and we're going to get into that a little bit in a few minutes. Any questions about that? You know, it's always great. One of the cool things that I recommend everyone should do is go look in a microscope at the cells of the body, because we always look at muscle and we have an idea that it's one way, but everything in the body, and you know, I talk about this all the time, that it's all about cells. Mm. So 
it's a, sometimes, and the stains that they use uh, to uh, make the cells come out, mm -hmm. sometimes it almost looks like modern art. It's just beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, great, uh, great pieces there. So uh, if we look at photo number three, you can see that's a cadaver, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And this guy uh, was, looks like he was in pretty good shape at one time. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, easy now. Uh, so now I want you, remember I told you about that muscle, the sartorius? Mm -hmm. Can you find it on the uh, cadaver? Yes. You can it's see very it on, clear. At, on both legs, right? Yeah. That's well, sort of I can see it mainly on one and partially on the, the, the leg closest to us. I think we can see it partially. Yeah. Um, wrapping from the hip area forward. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then on the, on the far leg, which is the patient's right leg, mm -hmm. you could see it from the top up in the, the whitish area. That's the tendon mm -hmm. that attaches to the muscle, the big reddish-brown part in the belly goes all the way across the thigh and over to the left knee, and then you see a white kind of tendon again. Mm. So the reason we're bringing up the sartorius, just for some fun, this is the longest muscle in the body. Aha. Uh -huh. And the so longest. this is the longest muscle in the body. Yep. And look how far it goes. And mm. it does a number of things. So one, basically, if you were sitting and you decided to uh, bend your leg to look at the bottom of your foot, the sole of your foot. Mm -hmm. If you were searching for your soul, you, <laughs> you would you would use the sartorius muscle, and that does all the things that the muscle needs to do to allow you to look at your soul. Mm -hmm. So, if we look at photo, any questions about that? No, that's very cool. Great shot, isn't it? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I love looking at that. Uh, so, next photo four. You can see this is the anatomy, right? The front and the back. Mm -hmm. Okay, on that, tell me which is the largest muscle. Can you figure out which is the largest muscle? You get two more seconds. One, zero. So, <laughs> one, zero. I mean, uh, it looks the largest. I mean, yep. it looks, uh, what, what I'm not understanding is like uh, you know where what, it's what does large mean yeah and i'm kind right. of getting away so from you were, the buttocks <laughs> you should never get away from the buttocks that's the largest muscle i knew you'd be looking there and that's why i counted on you i see it's the, it's the gluteus <laughs> see, maximus what but what what confused me was beside it is that like the muscles underneath it yes underneath and to the I side see. of it okay Right, yeah. That's what confused me. I thought, uh, is that one or is that several? Yeah, well, there's actually uh, behind it and around it, there are other uh, glutei. There's the gluteus yeah. maximus, which is this one. Then there's the gluteus medius and the gluteus minimus <laughs> that are under. And each one does its own thing. So that's the largest muscle. And now if we go to photo five. You're looking at the ear, right? Oh, so cute. It's very cute. So if you look at the, just to get a, an orientation for a second, in the upper left where you have the outer ear and you have that kind of open canal, that's called the external ear. So if you put your finger or Q-tip in your ear, go through the outside into that canal and you see where that white disc is kind of on a tangent? Yeah. 
That's the eardrum. Hmm. Okay? So okay. that's the outer ear. Behind, on the inside of the eardrum, is the middle ear. And that's where those little bones are. Hmm. And now if you shift, if you look at that arrow that's pointing to the left, that's the red arrow up in the left picture. Yes. Okay. It's pointing to the left. That's the view that you're actually looking at in this bigger picture. So when you're looking right now, you're looking from inside of the skull mm. out through that canal. So that white, big, circular white area is uh, the eardrum from the inside. Mm. And you're looking at the three little bones that vibrate uh, against each other. They call it the hammer, the anvil, and the stirrups. You can <laughs> see the little <laughs> bottom one the, that looks like a stirrup. That is right. Great. Yes. Can you see that? Yes. So they're actually uh, the malleolus, the incus, and the stapes. The st that little muscle in that in that magnifying glass area, <laughs> oh you my see it? Gosh, it's going from a portion of the skull to the neck of the little uh, stapes, mm. and that muscle. Remember, we looked at the sartorius and the gluteus maximus. This is around a millimeter in length. Wow. So a millimeter. Ooh. A millimeter in length. That's the smallest muscle in the body. Mm. Pretty From cool. The buttocks huh? to the ear. Okay. Right. <laughs> the stapedius. And it's working on, it's attached to the, uh, it inserts on the uh, smallest bone in the body, the stapes. Mm. And now wow. we're, now we're going to get serious for a few minutes. Do you have any questions about any of those? Oh no, those are fun. Okay. <laughs> So now we're going to move to photo six, and this is where it all happens. This is the magic of why muscles are so cool. You can see photo six now? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a picture of the big picture. So I we're going to... <laughs> a picture of the big picture? <laughs> a picture of the big picture. And then finally, we're going to end with a bigger picture. But right now, we need to go down to a microscopic level in your brain. So you look at the muscles on, on your arm or something or in your leg, and you've looked at all them. And what's that? This is so cool. This is very cool. Yeah. So here's how I want you to focus. Imagine, and the numbers I'm going to give you have nothing to do with... Uh, the reality. It's just so that you can have a visual aid right now. Picture a hundred pieces of wire that are really thin and maybe a length of uh, 10 inches each. Mm -hmm. And you hold them in your hand. They're all side by side and next to each other. And you place them into a straw. Okay? So that they can fit inside of a straw. Mm -hmm. You got that? Yep. Now take that straw and make with each hundred wires in it and take a hundred of those straws and put them into a tube. <laughs> okay. I'll put them like into a garden hose. And then, so you have a, a, the hundred wires and the hundred straws in the, in the uh, garden hose. Now take a hundred garden hoses and put them into a large tube. You got it? Yep. And, and are you moving back with me on the picture? Yep. From the Okay. And then take a hundred of those large tubes and put them into a large barrel. That barrel is essentially the muscle. Mm. But as you go backwards toward the wire that's in the straw, the wire is the actual muscle cell. Mm. So that's the key to all of the 
uh, way that a muscle works and the physiology. We're going to go through the anatomy, the physiology, and the chemistry of how it works, and then we're going to talk about a couple of other things. But basically, um, those cells, and remember we looked at the three cells with the striations, the stripes up and down, and the many nuclei, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you look and you see down in the bottom right, you see a sarcomere, the word sarcomere. Yes. That's essentially a muscle cell. That's what the cell looks like. And they're lined up one next to the other and on the side of the other, and they're around each other. And all of those, in between all of those, are multiple types of connective tissue. So the connective tissue is actually the straw and the uh, hose and the tube and the barrel. Mm whereas the wires are the muscles. And the connective tissue eventually works its way out at the end of each side of the muscle, each end of the muscle, to become a tendon. And then that tendon attaches to the bone. Mm -hmm. So muscle doesn't really attach to bone. It breaks up into connective tissue uh, of tendons, which are very strong. And you remember that tendons uh, work with muscles, whereas ligaments connect bone to bone. Uh, for support and uh, stability, but it's the tendons that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. So if you look now, you see those, that sarcomere, and that sarcomere is made up of two types of uh, filaments, and it's those filaments that are microfibers that do all of the contractions. So when we look at it, what happens is, you see that purple projection coming out? Yes. Okay. That's a special type of filament called a thick filament, and it has uh, a protein in it called myosin. You can see that below it, written uh-huh. below, right? And then around it, to the left of it, almost looks like a tuning fork, yes. reddish brown. That's the other filament, and that has actin in it, and that's a thin filament. And what happens is that on these filaments, and you can see back into the muscle where you have that row of purple in the middle of a big cell, right? Mm -hmm. You can see that. So those are all muscle cells. And what happens is that those blue myosin, blue colored in this particular, but not really blue, the myosin is attracted to the actin, but they can't get together because there's a covering over the actin that is protecting the binding sites. And through chemistry, that covering is unloaded, and so the myosin is able to actually almost imagine that it's attaching hooks around those actin filaments, which are on the two edges on each side of that row. Mm -hmm. See that? And it pulls it in toward the center. So it's pulling those thin filaments in toward the thick filaments where the myosin and the actin uh, come toward each other. And as, it, as it's pulling in toward the center, can you picture that? Mm, yes. You sure. So you can when imagine... You say pulling in towards the center, So you look pulling at that, back in that, towards the center of the tube. Right, into the tube. You see where right. the row, row of the purple... Uh, filaments are that go right down all the way along the tube? Yes. Okay. Those are in the center of the cells, of the of the muscle fibers. Mm. On the edges are the thinner filaments. And the thinner filaments have the, this molecule called actin, and the thicker filaments have this molecule called myosin. Mm. 
the myosin, it's almost like a, a West Side story <laughs> where uh, the actin is uh, Maria and the myosin is Tony. And they want to be with each other, but they can't because the families and the gangs are covering them up and keep them apart. And so through a chemical reaction, which we're going to talk about in a minute, they get uncovered and the myosin is able to hook the actin at the edges of the molecule and pull it toward the center, going in each direction, sending out essentially grappling hooks ah, and, and, I see. And, row and reeling it in fishing line kind of and as those those zag, jagged z lines on both sides of the cell you see them right the yeah. reddish orange they start coming toward the center Interesting. you got that yeah and when they come <laughs> to this when they when, yeah it's crazy when they come to the center that's contraction wow and so when millions of them are doing it then you get them, they're side by side, they, they, they slide along each other. Uh, it's fascinating the way this happens. Mm. And then after a certain amount of time, due to some chemistry, they relax and then it goes back. So you're going to be thinking of all of these things uh, at the end of the show just to have a bigger picture of what's actually going on here. So you got that kind of from an uh, anatomy <laughs> point of view for a moment? uh yeah <laughs> okay. so now, now let's look at it from another point of view here's the way the whole thing happens so remember we said that it's voluntary that yes. these are these are skeletal voluntary muscles versus the smooth muscle in the intestine which you can't control mm -hmm. and the, and the cardiac muscle in the heart which you can't control these are skeletal but voluntary, whereas the other two are essentially involuntary. So it starts up in the brain. The brain says, I want to uh, put my palm on the table. I want to turn it over. I want to make a fist. I want to uh, have my index finger while I'm moving it toward my right eye, close my right eye, and touch it lightly, and then move it back. All of that starts in the brain. It goes in the brain, part of the motor system, and it goes out through the spinal cord all the way to, now you see the yellow uh, figure in the center of the picture? Yes, the muscle fiber? No. So, no, it's yellow. Yellow. Oh, the nerve. Oh. Nerve. Mm. So from the brain, in the motor portion of the brain, out the spinal cord into the nerves right into those muscle fibers into multiple different fibers that nerve sets up a reaction which causes the whole reaction to happen mm. and that has that happens through your thought process so it it stimulates certain things to happen and and the chemistry and the physiology in it is that uh it sends it opens up channels, and all of remember we talked about the connective tissue, the the straw, the hose, the tube, and the barrel, all as connective tissue, and also connective tissue around the wire or the or the muscle tissue cells themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's through the connective tissue that there are channels, and when the electrical impulse comes down from the brain through the spinal cord into the spinal into the nerves, it 
opens up channels to allow a chemical, and in this case, sodium, to come in, which changes the uh, electrical potential in the muscle cell, which allows uh, a process to happen, which then combined with the circulatory system. Uh, now, if you look, you can see the capillaries, mm -hmm. red ones. The capillaries have their part in this. The capillaries have to bring blood into the system so that the whole process uh, can occur. It requires energy. And we've talked about energy before. And the energy we get is the energy from our oxygen and food and glucose. We break down glucose, right? Yeah. You remember that? Yes. Uh, there's a whole process. And when we break down glucose, uh, a number of things happen. But ultimately, it comes down to the, the thing that we talk about in the mitochondria of a cell. Everybody, you've heard of mitochondria a little bit? Mm-hmm. In some of our other talks before, mitochondria is in all the cells of the body, and it's the power place, the power plant that they always talk about, where the actual breakdown process happens and ATP produce, breaks down. ATP stands for adenosine, which is an amino acid. T is tri, that means three, and phosphate, adenosine triphosphate. The phosphate... Uh, molecules and this is all happening at a molecular level now you know this is one molecule of this or one molecule of glucose it's not an ice cream cone right it's one <laughs> molecule of glucose uh, what happens is the atp through a chemical process breaks down and gives off a phosphorus and becomes adp adenosine diphosphate which has two I told you this was going to be a little complicating, but I think you'll get it. Uh, and that, that phosphate creates energy for the cell to attract uh, a channel which opens up and allows calcium to surround or that actin molecule. Remember I said it was covered by these other proteins? It sort of eliminates those proteins and exposes the binding sites so that the myosin in the thick filament mm -hmm. can hook the actin in the thin filament, pull it towards the center of the, of the cell and cause contraction. Oh my God. Can you see? <laughs> so it requires the combination of the nervous system sending a, a firing thing, which allows the sodium to flow through, which allows the calcium to flow through, and the circulatory system uh, allows uh, all of the chemicals. It brings in the oxygen, which is necessary. It brings in the glucose, which is necessary. And there's many different chemical things that actually happen here, but I'm trying to just give it this big picture so you get the ATP and the mitochondria working, and the energy. So mm. when the, the things that also happen is that if you notice, the nerve cell, that yellow, is attached to a motor unit. And each one of these cells that we're looking at has nerves attached to it. So it depends on how many nerves that fire and uh, accumulate multiple amounts of muscle units as to how strong the muscle is going to be. So in other words, when I'm at the gym and I'm bench pressing my 450 pounds, <laughs> why, why are you laughing? 
You'd look like the cadaver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny, though. But in order to do that, I would require lots of motor units mm. to to use all of that strength. Whereas when I'm in, when I was in the emergency department, and someone would come in with a small metal fragment embedded in their eyeball, and I had to take a needle, look through a, a special microscope and place that needle right into their eyeball and move out that little metal fragment and mm. free it up where I needed precision rather than the total strength, uh, then only a few fibers would, would happen, would fire up. So the less fibers that fire, uh, the, uh, the more precise the, the movement is. The mm. more fibers that fire, uh, the stronger the movement is. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, so you kind of have that big picture now, right? Well, I'm, I'm curious at how they even got to this minute level. Well, that's the cool part about it. It yeah. started with people like Vesalius and, and even earlier people, Hippocrates and the Egyptians and, uh, you know, uh, Phoenicians. A, a number of people were... There were always people within the society that were curious about what's going on inside, and they were also people that wanted to help other people. Mm-hmm. When they had, they recognized that people were sick, ill, and injured, and they wanted to help people. So as we move forward, and the technology got better, you know, our microscopes brought us down to levels where we could see these things. I know it's just fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to to know that they finally figured out to to think about the ATP and the myosin and the actin and the filaments and the way they contract and the way they cover each other up and, and the way they move in segments. It's all fascinating. And then uh, the other part of it is the whole function of the ATP and the energy. Uh, when you, and we'll talk about this again in a little while, when you, uh, uh, start working out really hard for a while, at some point your muscle gets tired, right? And mm-hmm. it weakens. And, and what happens there is that you no longer have enough oxygen uh, and glucose to provide breakdown products of the ATP, which provides the high-energy phosphates, which provides the cell to do what it does. Um, and then, uh, so you have to look at, at all of that and the way that happens. And when you talk about recovery and things like that, it's very important to understand how this all works and why we do what we do and how we're able to do what we do. That's why it's so important to eat the right foods because the glucose that's being broken down uh, to let your muscles work is, uh, you know, you want it to be the best fuel possible, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? So, so you have uh, basically that picture. Now, there's a couple other things that I want to talk about uh, in this. Uh, in terms of the actual fibers them, themselves, uh, and I want to cover some things so that people that talk about uh, muscles and workouts and in the gym and everything have an understanding. They talk about different type. There's slow muscle fibers and fast muscle fibers. And so there's, um, there's really three types of mu- skeletal muscle fibers. Type 1 is a very slow type, and this one is used basically uh, for stamina and posture. These are certain types of muscles, and they're in the sp- places like the spine. The type 2 fibers are broken down into A and B, 
and type two, uh, type two A is stronger. And this one is is something where you need a lot of strength and endurance, and that's in the legs. And type two B is much faster and stronger, uh, and that's in the arms and chest. And part of this, interestingly, has to do with another one of the very unique things about muscle tissue, aside from they can contract. You know, in the rest of the body, you've heard the word hemoglobin, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, hemoglobin carries oxygen to all the cells. Well, the muscles, realizing how much they need oxygen more than almost any other cell at times, has their own actual hemoglobin molecule, and it's called a myoglobin molecule. Myo is, uh, you know, Latin for muscle, so to speak. So the the muscle cells actually have their own type of hemoglobin to make sure that if they run out of the normal hemoglobin, they have a, an oxygen-carrying pigment within themselves that they don't have to worry about the rest of the body for a little while to allow someone to continue to do something. And that myoglobin is a reddish pigment. And so recently, uh, we had Thanksgiving dinner, and you know how people say, I want the dark meat, I want the white meat? Mm-hmm. Well, the dark meat is the meat that has myoglobin in it. And the white meat is the meat that doesn't really have the myoglobin in it. It's that pigment, and it's for the muscles that need that need to be stronger and last longer. So just a little mm-hmm. clue. Next time you want, I want the meat with, I want the parts with myoglobin. You don't want to say the dark meat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the dark meat is better for you. Uh, well, it's got myoglobin in it, but... Mm-hmm. I think, you know, part of it has to do with taste and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so you got the picture now. The brain starts something. It sends it down the nerve. The nerve uh, opens up channels. Sodium goes through. Calcium goes through. Electron potentials happen. Glucose and oxygen are broken down into phosphates. The energy goes. The myosin in the center of the cell hooks the actin at the ends of the cell, pulls it in, and you've got a muscle contraction. <laughs> and all and that, that for a muscle contraction <laughs> yeah and then it, and then it depends uh, you know it's on the shape you've got these long multinucleated cylindrical cells that slide by each other those filaments the thick filament and the thin filament uh slide by each other and it's that sliding uh and it's basically this whole process uh transmitted through the connective tissue the muscle contracts it pulls on the tendons which are at the ends of each of the muscles and uh things happen so if we look at photo seven did you have any questions about that before we (laughs) leave this i know you probably have a thousand as you always do but is there anything that sticks out that you need clears so that i don't move on yet no i'm still trying to capture what you've all said (laughs) it's like oh my god but you get that there's a a neurological process a Mm -hmm. circulatory process that happens that chemicals happen energy happens and muscles and these cells that are designed very uniquely uh shorten and and move yeah so that's the bigger picture so now bounce yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so now let's look at the big picture of a muscle, photo seven. You can see that. You recognize that muscle, right? Yes. It's, it's in the arm. It's the biceps brachii. 
and so there's some unique things about that. Uh, you see uh, that there are two O's near the shoulder, mm -hmm. and that stands for origin. Every tendon uh, is attached to an original bone, and that's usually the stationary bone. And then at the other end, where you see the eye past the elbow joint, mm -hmm. that's usually the, called the insertion. And it's the idea that when all of that reaction that we just talked about happens, nerves, uh, chemicals, breakdown, cells, ATP, everything, uh, they get that message, message to the belly of the biceps. It starts pulling the molecules together. The filament starts sliding and shortening. The attachment of the tendon on the bone changes the angle at the joint and brings it closer. So when you were touching your finger to your eye, that was what was happening there. Mm. That whole thing was happening. And when you name muscles, the names of the muscles, when you look at them, uh, they're usually related to a location or an origin, an insertion, a number of origins. Like the, the biceps, bi is two, right? Has two origins. The triceps on the back of the arm has three origins. The quadriceps in the leg has four origins. So the, just the way you name them. And what I suggest to people as part of junior medical school is if you ever hurt something or if you are concerned about something and you look up a muscle, the things you need to look up are the name of the muscle. You need to look up the nerve supply, and you know why now. You could figure out if you have a nerve problem. You need to look up the blood supply, the origin, the insertion, and the actual action or function. So the biceps brachii, the action of that is to flex the arm. And the different uh, types of movements of muscles are flexion, extension, and then you have rotation or pronation and supination. These are just terms that I want people to hear about. Uh, you know, then, and we talked about the supportive structures, the tendons. Uh, now, the tendons uh, connect usually bone to bone at the ends of the muscles, but occasionally, uh, muscle will connect directly to certain places that are not bone, like in the eyeball. So if you look directly up, Christina, and now look down, and now look to the right, and now look to the left, those were all muscles that connect from uh, attach right without a tendon to your eyeball, actually. Hmm. So we talk about certain words that I want people to know about. We said tendons are with muscles and ligaments are with connecting bone to bone. Mm -hmm. There are some other words that I just want you to hear. The prime mover or the agonist. It's mm -hmm. usually so when you're doing, uh, when you're flexing your arm, the prime mover or the agonist is the, uh, is the bicep. And the antagonist, which protects you from poking yourself through the eye on the back, uh, preventing you from hitting your face, uh, that's the antagonist. People, uh, and they work together, and muscles work in synergy, you know, where they have to connect, and uh, sometimes you're lifting something, you have to make sure that your legs are s solid, and uh, your pelvis is solid, and your core is good. We also talk about isotonic contractions, and these are contractions that actually change length, so that when you move the uh, hand to your eye that's changing the length of the muscle. It's shortening. So pathology. Pathology uh, can happen anywhere. You know, it can happen from a stroke in the brain and the motor function to in the spinal cord to uh, down to the spinal nerves. 
and it can happen with the circulatory system. It can happen with the muscles. It could happen with electrolytes. Many different things can cause pathology. And when you come to the doctor's office after something is going on, we take a history and we ask about certain signs and symptoms. Is there weakness? Is there pain? Does your muscle get tired quickly? Is there numbness or tingling? Uh, how long has this been going on? You know, days, weeks, years, uh, things like that. So we ask about other medical problems, medications, because medications we know can affect muscles. Uh, the statins sometimes, you keep hearing about people that hurt uh, ligaments or tendons uh, taking the statins or Cipro, the antibiotic. Take a relevant history and try to find out what's going on. And basically, you have injuries or overuse patterns. You have genetic disorders, inflammation, uh, cancers, infections. Uh, and sometimes we don't totally know the cause. Uh, but uh, what I would say is in your initial treatment, if, if you get hurt, uh, the first thing to do is stop and assess it. And now that you've watched this program, you can assess it from a nerve point of view, a circul circulatory point of view, origin insertion of a muscle, uh, what it's not functioning, you could look at that. And I'm still a fan of ice and heat and rest uh, until something gets better. Uh, muscles can be injured by strains or micro tears, uh, tendon tears, bone could be fractured off of the muscle. So I, my message is don't be in a hurry to go back and do things, allow healing to happen. And if it doesn't heal, or if you're not sure what's going on, obviously get professional treatment. So that's the, that's the story of muscles. I'd like to move to another quick segment, um, unless you have a question for me. Uh, no, that's a lot on muscles. Right. <laughs> it's <just> like, wow. <laughs> All right. So My brain is still hooked into that, that previous photo. <laughs> and that, you mean the gluteus maximus photo? Uh, or, no, 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 no. The one with the breakdown of that muscle is like, wow. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very it's, cool. It, it, I, you know, I love it. That's one of the great things about being in medicine is you get to be just exposed to this all the time. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about exercise for a few minutes here. Mm. Uh, and since we're talking about muscles, um, what we really have to understand and what we're learning now, when I uh, and whenever I give a talk of any kind, you know, it's always the knowledge that we know today. Uh, things we keep learning things. So uh, what we know tomorrow, part of it may be a little bit different. But when I first gave talks about muscles and exercise, uh, I could never say we knew how much or how long, the intensity, the time, uh, what type of exercises. But we're coming closer to the answer right now. And the first thing to understand is why we exercise, because exercise now, what we're seeing is that it's actually exercise is medicine. You know how we say food is medicine? Exercise is medicine. Um, and one of the you know sayings of the day is sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so what I have for everybody is what we're seeing is we're becoming too sedentary. So I have a solution for that for everybody. This is a, a little exercise program you can do. Uh, when you're sitting at your computer, uh, every hour at least, and hopefully you could do it every 20 minutes at some point, but when you just start out this program, this exercise program, all you have to do is stand up and do A, B, C. You stand up and do A. A is alignment. 
So you kind of straighten your body out, you realign it. B, breathing. Just start breathing a little bit. Forget everything else you've been doing for at the, at the computer or somewhere else. And if you do the Wallman metaphor square breath, it only takes about 64 seconds. So that could be your break. <clears throat> and C is calm. Just calm your brain, calm your mind for a few minutes. Take that 20-minute or at least an hour uh, a break every hour or every 20 minutes. So stop being sedentary, stand up, and do ABC, alignment, breathing, and, and uh, calming. I want the D. Which is? Downward-facing dog. Downward-facing dog. <laughs> there you go. And that would be great to watch in a if you were in an office with a, a bunch of people in there. <laughs> doing the downward-facing dog. So the exercise I'm talking about now are for the general person, not the Olympic athlete or the uh, uh, person who's going to be climbing K2, uh, <laughs> but basically for just optimal health. The benefits, what we're seeing now scientifically, is their cardiovascular benefits, muscle strength and endurance benefits, uh, body composition benefits, flexibility, agility, uh, reaction time, power, fluidity, balance. It also, we're really seeing some of the literature is coming out now, and this is the great part, that it actually can help to prevent a stroke, prevent hypertension, high blood pressure, prevent obesity. It can prevent type 2 diabetes, potentially uh, prevent heart attacks, breast and colon cancer. It makes no sense not to do this because it's equal or better than medication. Now, if you're on medication, continue to take it, obviously, but uh, everyone should be doing this. The goal is to decrease being sedentary and increase physical activity. Um, Remember, physical health is really, it's an outcome. And that's what we're looking for. Uh, when you do exercise, good form is probably the most important. So I always recommend uh, if you're first starting out or you want to get better and do it right, get a great Pilates instructor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I also suggest sometimes you can't always get them in a gym, so a personal trainer. When I start working out, I always suggest that you do three things, a little bit of mas- a self-massage, warm-up, and a stretch. And The reason I suggest this is not just to warm up the muscles and everything else, but now that you know where the origins and the muscle is and the insertions and the bones and the tendons, and you know what's going on, you should be looking for sore muscles or tendons or ligaments or fascia uh, or connective tissue. And if you recognize them, work out accordingly. So try not to hurt those things. We didn't know the frequency or the intensity and the type in the past, but what we're seeing now is for cardio, uh, pulmonary uh, exercises, uh, and fluidity training and positive balance and posture, about 150 minutes per week. So that would be 30 minutes a day for five days, and they don't have to be five days in a row, and then two days a week of strength and resistance training for about 20 to 30 minutes. So I'll say that again. Uh, cardio training, resistance, uh, you know, things like Tai Chi or Qigong or martial arts, 150 minutes per week, 30 minutes, five times, 30 minutes at a time for five days. Strength, two times a week, 20 to 30 minutes. So now we know uh, all of that. The thing we don't know is the intensity. And what they're suggesting now is that at the end of your exercise, you should be breathing heavy. 
And you should also have difficulty singing a song. So if you're having trouble singing a song, then you know you did a good breathing exercise. And what you're doing during that heavy breathing, remember we talked about ATP. We're, we depleted our ATP and oxygen. So when you start the heavy breathing, you're bringing back more oxygen so the muscles can work again. Does that make sense? Mm. Wow, I can, I can do that every day. You can, <laughs> you can heavy breathe every day. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Make <laughs> me sing. <laughs> there you go. If you can't sing, then you did good exercise. <laughs> and of course, at the end, I always talk about um, make sure that you hydrate and get electrolytes because remember, sodium is an electrolyte. Remember, we talked about how important sodium was. Uh, opening the channels and changing so that the electrical part can go through and the calcium. So that's important. At the end of your exercise, you should kind of cool down and reevaluate anything that you noted that was sore at the beginning when you did that first massage and uh, see if there's any other places that are sore. So that's it for the exercise. A few more minutes. I want to talk about quick myth takes and then I have a Myth takes. We always yes. talk about myth takes. And I figured I'd do a couple of myth takes with uh, workouts. You talk about the burn. You've heard of the muscle burn. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what, what causes the burn? Isn't that the... Lactic acid. Lactic acid. I, but I, I, what came to me, I was about to say lactic acid, and then I thought, but that's also, like, after you work out um, that's like the pretty soreness. hard... Right, and then a day later, you're hurting even more. That's also lactic acid, right? Christina, you are beautiful. I love you because uh, it's not myth takes mm-hmm. lactic acid and lactate, which is different than lactic acid, are part of the whole chemical system that creates the whole muscle process. But remember, we talked about the ATP. Yes. Well, the ATP, when it breaks down, it releases protons, which are hydrogen ions. And hydrogen ions are essentially acid, or they become acids. And it's the acid buildup that's being produced when you're burning ATP that goes around. Remember we talked about where the nerves attach to the muscle plates? Mm-hmm. Right yes. at that point where it becomes more acidic because of the proton and the burning of the ATP, that's the burn you get. That's what the science says now. Lactic I see. Acid so it's is, no longer lactic acid or, or lactate. lactate. It's, right. it's the acid being released. From when, the breakdown from the, of ATP to get ADP for the energy to allow the cells to con- shorten and contract. So, okay, so that is, that is the burn when you're working out. Right. What about like the day after or the two days after when you are really suffering? <laughs> yes, exactly. So Is here, that still ATP? Because nope. Nope. In order for muscles to get bigger, or if you damage muscles, what really happens is that that soreness later is actually, and this is probably the key to everything we're talking about today in terms of why we're talking about it, because it's actual not lactic acid, not ATP. It is mechanical damage to muscle fibers. When you're working out and using heavier weights, you're breaking down muscle tissues, those sarcomeres, Mm. right? 
you're tearing them. And when they get, when they heal, they get bigger. That's how you get bigger muscles. But if you're not trying, but if you're not trying to do it just to get bigger, but just to get resistance training, um, then if you hurt yourself, that soreness is microfibers that have mechanical damage. So they're actually micro tears. Now there's also free radical damage. You know, we talk about free radicals and there could be inflammation, but it's basically the muscle fibers have little micro tears. Mm. So it's not the lactic acid there either. So is and that healthy or unhealthy? It's unhealthy. But here's the thing. If it's just little micro tears, the body handles it and gets bigger muscles that you're trying to produce if that's what you're trying to produce. If it's not because you worked out uh, to get bigger, but you worked out incorrectly and actually hurt something, this is why I say don't walk it off. That's the worst thing you can do. Because think about it now. Now that you have a picture of little muscle fibers, right? When you, you have that, that picture of the upper arm, right? The mm -hmm. biceps. If you, if you worked out with a million, you just decided, oh, I'm going to work out today. You know, I'm going to the beach tomorrow. I want to have big biceps for tomorrow. <laughs> and you worked out uh, and you did, you haven't worked out in years and you uh, did 500 curls. Well, you've torn muscle. And so that muscle has to heal. So when you tear little microfibers uh, playing sports and you think about, oh, I'll walk it off, what you're doing is causing more tears. Now, if you haven't actually torn them, if you just have a minor sprain to a muscle or strain, actually, muscles get strained, ligaments get sprained. Um, but if you have just a minor strain, uh, then that's the free radicals and maybe a little inflammation and you just let that heal and it gets better. Hmm. but don't walk it off make sure you're better and hmm. allow yourself to heal well hmm. interesting wow yep so no more lactic acid that's out the window Well, lactic now. acid is is part of the process mm -hmm. of the chemical process but it's not the buildup that causes the problems hmm. interesting myth takes hmm. and so my health tip as we come to the end i know you're going to ask me that right Absolutely not. I thought the myth take was. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> myth take could never be a health tip. <laughs> so this time of the year, we just finished uh, Thanksgiving and we gave thanks and we're being uh, grateful. We're in a time of holiday season uh, where everybody gift giving and gratefulness. I think the important thing now is about my message and health tip is about being grateful. And this quote that I'm going to give you is an anonymous quote, so I don't know who it's from. So I'm going to give credit to the person that sends me a quote every day. His name is Greg Roberti. Mm -hmm. Never met him, but he sends me a quote every day. Uh, and some of them I really love, and I really love this one. Uh, and in this time of season, it'll be great, I think, for people to think about this. And of course, it's anatomical also, so I love that. <laughs> If you're having trouble trying to find something you are grateful for, check your pulse. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love it. It's a great one, isn't it? I, I love that too. <laughs> it says so many things. So I think we're closing the books on uh, junior medical school today. Did you learn any one thing? Tell me one thing you learned. 
Um, God, our muscles are pretty damn amazing. I'm going to go back to that picture. That's, oh, a, that's, a, that's uh, For me, it's just fascinating how they were able to um, get down to such a micro level of our muscles and how one reps over the next, over the next, over the next. It's like, uh, I, I can't even fathom how they It's beautiful. That. And not only that, but interestingly, when you think about it, most of the time uh, when we were doing original dissections, the person was not alive. So you couldn't actually see mm. muscles contracting and, and you couldn't see it on a filament level. Uh, so you had to guess certain things. People like Leonardo da Vinci mm. uh, figured out the whole swallowing mechanism uh, and he did it on cadavers. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of brilliant people that uh, throughout our history have tried to learn about the human body to teach us so that we take care of ourselves a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, again, one of the reasons that we do junior medical school and all of Magical Medical Tour to help people make medical decisions that are about optimal health and make them in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is excellent. <laughs> excellent. I, uh, I was worried that it might be too complex and everything, but I, I think, you know, there's enough in there. And remember, this is something it's, you can go and learn more now that you have sort of some basic ideas. If you're really interested in learning it, you certainly could look it up and read a lot of it, a lot of technical stuff. But if you get the bigger picture, uh, that's it. That's it. Mm. I want to thank. Don't uh, walk it off. Yes. Don't walk it off. <laughs> Take your pulse. <laughs> Check your pulse. I love it. Yeah, you can't. You can't go wrong with that. Well, everybody, thank you. I want to honor my healers and my teachers for taking me on my journey, and thank uh, Christina and Segovia and all of uh, Yoga Hub and Magical Medical Tour, and of course all of our viewers and listeners. I hope you got something good out of today. Uh, that will help you on your path to optimal health. And until our next meeting, I wish you all optimal health. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Glenn Woolman, for another great show. And into that, we really dove deep in that uh, doctor's bag today. <laughs> And of course, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support, and we look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. You can connect with Dr. Glenn Willman through his website, glennwillman.com, where we always encourage you to learn about his metaphor square breath. And you can also follow him, follow him on Twitter, I mean, not Twitter, sorry, Facebook, at The Medical Guide, The Medical Guide. Now, when you listen or watch any of our podcasts or shows, you know, uh, please, um, like us or share us with others you know that uh, might benefit from them. We that's uh, why we keep doing them. And hopefully, we can we can bring some light and uh, some direction for those of you who are in need. Again, we are always grateful for your continuous support and feedback, comments, suggestions. Give us a call at eight one eight. Let's talk. Eight one eight. Let's talk. Until next time. Namaste. Chronic pain, it turns out, has very little to do and very little correlation with uh, tissue damage. And it has more to do with 
the brain mishandling the information, uh, either because of some genetic predisposition to pain, or some early life predisposition to pain, or uh, psychosocial issues. Uh, it's the chronic pain is more associated with brain phenomenon than peripheral phenomenon. Now there are obviously exceptions, and that is. Uh,